Tonight in Arkansas, there's a mother tucking in her daughter and turning off the light. A business owner is burning the midnight oil. An at-home dinner date is plating up possibility. And it's all happening under one roof. How? The power of a conversation. Like the one John from Integrity Solutions had with First Horizon Bank about his vision for a sustainable mixed-use building. Now it's not just words, it's life. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash John. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. You're listening to Next on the Tee with Chris Mascaro, where PGA and LPGA legends, pros, and top instructors come to share their stories, insights, and tips. Now, back to you, Chris. And now back with me here on the French Lick Resort guest line is four-time winner on the PGA Tour, Tim Simpson. Let me remind you a little bit about Tim's background. He's from right here in Atlanta, Georgia, played his college golf at the University of Georgia, where he lettered in 1975 and 76. He was an honorable mention All-American in 75 and a third-team All-American in 76. He was named first-team All-SEC both of those seasons. And while at Georgia, Tim won the 1975 Palmetto Intercollegiate Tournament and the 1976 Southern Amateur. He finished 21st in the NCAA Championship in 1975 and 14th in 76 turned pro in 77, and he won four times out on the PGA Tour at the 1985 Southern Open, the 1989 USF&G Classic, and in back-to-back years at the Walt Disney World Oldsmobile Open in 89 and 90. He's collected five other professional wins, including five Georgia Opens and the Casherol World Championship over in uh, France. He had two top 10 finishes in majors, both coming in 1990 at the U.S. Open and the PGA Championship. He was named Comeback Player of the Year in 1989. In 1990, he was named the Georgia Professional Athlete of the Year. 2004, he was inducted into the state of Georgia's Sports Hall of Fame. And in 2006, he was inducted into the Georgia State Golf Association Hall of Fame and named Comeback Player of the Year out on the Champions Tour. And I'm very honored to have Tim back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Tim, thanks for coming back on the show. Thank you for having me, Chris. How are you? I'm good, my friend. How have you been? Good. I was. I got to listen to the last few minutes with the golf pride segment. It's very interesting. Uh, I'm interested in that tour velvet grip you were talking about trying out because I'm a tour velvet man and I, I don't know what the new version is. Well, it sounds fantastic to me. So yeah, I'm looking forward to giving it a shot. And when I do, Tim, I'll let you know. You got to get it on your clubs as well. There you so, go. So Tim. When I was looking back over your career, I I was looking at 1989, a year you won twice, and you finished sixth on the money list that year. You won $761,000, which is a nice third-place check nowadays when you're out playing on the PGA Tour. So I was curious to get your thoughts. Are you surprised at how much the game has grown, particularly around the purse money, over the last 30 years? Oh, it's, it's crazy. I was telling a friend of mine today I was born 30 years too early. Because throughout my career, I was so consistent. I was kind of a top 10 machine. And, uh, oh, my gosh, I, I think I would uh, <clears throat> I would love my winnings today based on 66 top 10s on the PGA Tour. And, Tim, you were always known for being such a great ball striker, so much so that guys like Jack Nicklaus and Johnny Miller, even Butch Harmon, would comment about what a great ball striker you were. Talk about how did you become such a great ball striker? What did you do that enabled you to be so good at it? Well, you know, that's a great Chris, uh, great question, um, Chris. Um, I, 
dad gave me when I was probably 13 or 14, he gave me Byron Nelson's book, Shape Your Swing the Modern Way. And Byron Nelson, you know, everybody talks about Hogan being, you know, such a great ball striker. Well, you know, when I do speaking engagements, I ask people, have you ever heard of an Iron Hogan machine? You know, the machine, the robot that they built, they they named it Iron Byron for a reason because he was such an incredible ball striker. Well, he, he had a long lateral leg drive and actually somewhat of a dip in his swing. And I incorporated that long lateral leg drive in my swing, and it, and it just enabled me to hit it incredibly straight. Um, I played 32 tournaments a year, and I went – so I did a show on the Golf Channel a number of years ago, and they reminded me – I think I went six or seven years without hitting the ball out of bounds. And it was wow. just uh, – I remember – yeah, I remember Golf Digest tested us in 1990 at the TPC, all 150 of us in the field. And I remember them telling me that nobody was even remotely close to keeping the club square square down the line as long as I was. And it was because of the long lateral leg drive. And, and as far as the rest of my swing goes, I just I had a very, very simple, repeatable swing. Uh, I could take. Uh, 1980, I don't remember if it was 89 or 90, you know, I won Disney back to back, but I had not hit a golf ball in six weeks. I literally got off a private jet from an elk hunting trip in Wyoming, and I had told my caddy, regrip my clubs, I'll meet you in 30 minutes. I won the Merrill Lynch shootout, teed off the next day, and won the tournament four days later. And that's the way my swing always was. I could take six months off. And by the third day, I was hitting on all cylinders. Wow. And, you know, and to that end, as you talk about Byron Nelson, Tim, and, and, and I read that you spent some time learning from some of the all-time greats, not, not only Byron Nelson, but guys like Sam Snead and Gardner Dickinson, who I think was a very underrated player from over in Dothan, Alabama. But what did you glean? If you got part of that from Nelson, what did you get from Snead and Dickinson? Well, you know, Gardner Dickinson was one of only two people that Hogan taught. So I'm the, I'm the only person in the world to have worked with him and Sam as well as Byron. And I learned, uh, it's a great question you asked, I learned from each of them. Byron taught me a lot about the mental side of the game and and um, little little keys like the same thing he taught Tom Watson, how to slow your swing down under pressure. Starts with slowing everything down from your footwork to your waggle to your grip pressure. Because when you're under the gun, we all know your grip pressure is going to get tighter, i.e. your swing is going to get faster and shorter, and then you're going to start, you know, hitting it crooked. As far as Sam goes, you know, I worked with Sam for probably 20 years because of my great friendship with JC. He had told Sam, you got to see this kid hit a golf ball. And he said, they run him off the range. He practices 10 hours a day. And um, Sam and I just hit it off and, and and it and it really it really peeves me when I've heard teaching pros throughout the years say, wasn't it a shame he couldn't teach? Let me tell you what, he could teach. And and everything with Sam was uh tempo, rhythm. And um one one year at the Masters, I, I just I was just hitting it bad. And it was Wednesday. And I walked through uh the uh to into the locker room and Locker room attendant said, Mr. Simpson, Mr. Sneed was asking for you. I said, where is he? He said, he's in there eating with Mr. Sarazen. So I walked in and Sam said, how you doing, son? I said, good, Sam. How are you? And 
hey, Mr. Sarazen. And Sam said, how you hitting it, son? I said, Sam, I'm hitting it bad. He said, in typical Sam Sneed style, he said, go on out yonder to the range. I'll be out there in a few minutes. I went out there. About 10 minutes later, Sam came out, and uh, he asked the uh, the young man that was giving out the practice balls, he said, bring me a chair. And Sam sat the chair down about two feet from my balls, facing straight towards me. And um, and he said, go ahead and start hitting. And I hit a couple of balls. And he said, son, there's nothing the matter with your swing. Your tempo's off. And he said, son, the golf swing is like a wall. It's not rock and roll. And he sat there and literally sang to me for an hour and a half. He would say, no, 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 no. And although uh, the Masters was the only major I never played well in, uh, I did manage to make cut and, and play some good golf in, in weeks ensuing after that. You know, so it was a lot of common sense stuff with Sam. But, I mean, to watch, you know, he was totally double-jointed. Uh, he turned better in his 70s. I mean, he in his 70s, he turned like Fred Couples in his 40s. And, you know, he could just – he was just unbelievable. Um, and, and so I was just blessed to – to have known all these guys. Uh, one of the things that Gardner taught me that you'll never read or hear was Hogan taught him there were two two separate and distinct golf swings. There was the full swing, and then there was the wedge swing. And that was what Gar- Gardner worked with me on a lot, was that the wedge swing was shorter, create more leverage, more risk cock early, and it's more feel the distant, distance with arm speed, the speed of your arms. But... <clears throat> You know, my lifelong teacher has always been Art Kraft from Noonan, Georgia, and and Art and I were so close that he just wanted me to be the best in the world, and if that meant going and working with somebody else, he was all for it. And uh, but I, I just I regret getting Lyme's disease when I did and losing my career the way I did because I think Art Art Kraft would, without a doubt, be one of the top teachers in the world. Would be a household name. He's just incredibly brilliant. Tim, uh, you mentioned you know the time with Sam and being at the, at the Masters, and at this time of year, you know, with Masters being six weeks or so away, and and I believe 1985 was your first time playing in the tournament. You finished, as you mentioned a moment ago, 18th that year. So I was curious was was that the first time you ever got to play in the tournament, and the first time you ever got to play Augusta National? Or did you get to play some since you were from here? No, I, you know, I got that. That was my birthday present when I turned 16. Um, my father and I had a friend at Ansley Golf Club where I grew up that had a dear friend that was a member of Augusta. And he said, you know, this kid's a state junior champ and very promising. And Georgia and another college, number of other colleges are after him. You know, is there any way we can get him on? And it was kind of like the, the movie Caddyshack where – uh, the front nine was gorgeous, and then the back nine, it was the absolute thunderstorm of the century. And the rules are that if the member takes one step toward the clubhouse, that's it. You can't hit another shot. You cannot hit a shot without the member with you. And uh, this Larry McCrary, this wonderful gentleman that was a member there, um, he, we played the back nine in literally just unplayable conditions. And uh, I shot uh, 37, 34, I think, shot 71. And it was just truly one of the greatest days of my life. And uh, he told me, he said, I think you're going to be a great player. I think you're going to have a great PGA Tour career. 
And whenever you play in the Masters, you'll always use my locker. And sure enough, I showed up, and the, the locker room attendant said, Mr. Simpson, we got you over here in Mr. McCrary's locker. And I'm like, now that's a sweet man. So he never <laughs> forgot that. He was awful kind, awful kind to a young kid. But, you know, it, it, it's funny because, you know, I had two legitimate chances to win the U.S. Open. I felt like I always could have could have and should have won the British Open. I just only played in it several times. Had some good PGA championships, but I just, the Masters greens just totally psyched me out. Growing up on small, flat Bermuda greens where everything's inside right and bang it or left lip and bang it, you know, I just didn't, it didn't fathom to me lining up 12 feet right of the hole, you know, and dying it in. And, uh, you know, in 89, I had just beat Norman head to head in a great duel at New Orleans the week before. So I come in the hottest player on earth, and I'm like, well, this is fi- finally my time. I'm finally going to get my green jacket. And I missed the cut. You know, I mean, and back then you didn't have to beat but four or five half-dead guys, you know, to make the cut. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, you know, you had Doug Ford and Billy Casper and Arnold, you know. I mean, these guys were like 80 years old, and I still managed to miss the cut. And and the irony is in 1990 uh, when or, or 91 when I missed the cut, that's when I went turkey hunting down in Metter, Georgia, and that's where I contracted Lyme's disease. It was Saturday night of the Masters that I got bit by all the ticks that started my downhill slide. I just never had success at Augusta. I wish I could do it over all over again though. And Tim. I don't want to spend a lot of time on it because I'm sure they're not happy memories. But as you mentioned, getting Lyme's disease, you've had, you've been the comeback player of the year on the PGA tour. You've been the comeback player of the year on the champions tour. And I got to tell you, I saw some video of you from not all that long ago, I think back in September and the swing looks real good. So could we see you coming back yet again out on the champions tour and have you put all the Lyme disease stuff behind you? No, un- unfortunately, uh, uh, thank you. That's very kind of you. But unfortunately, you have it for life. I'll have it for the rest of my life. There is no cure for it. And, uh, you know, I had the nine-hour brain surgery in 2005 to stop the tremor in my left hand that was caused from the neurological damage from the Lyme disease and was able to come back and, and have five successful seasons on the Champions Tour and in pursuit of getting in better shape um, I wound up, I'd overworked my, uh, hip flexors working out and, and I, I had four career ending injuries with one swing in Montreal, Canada. And, and, uh, that was the end of my second career. So I lost my career twice, but no, unfortunately, Chris, I, I haven't played in two and a half years. Um, I've had three back surgeries since my retirement and everything was going great. And then all of a sudden it just hit the fan. And uh, I hit balls, probably hit balls five times last year. But, um, you know, I'm, I, I reshafted some clubs last week. I'm all excited, ready to play. And yesterday I'm walking up my driveway and my back goes out again. You know, there's, you know, the, the crazy thing about back issues, whether it's me, you, Fred Couples, Jack Nicholas, whoever, is you can't sympathize with somebody that has back trouble unless you've had it. I mean, you you can't understand taking a step and and it's like being stabbed with a knife, you know, and and dropping to your knees, that kind of pain. 
But uh, you know, I, I I hope to play again, never competitively again. I'm done. I'm 62 and a half now, and and uh, but you know, I would love to play with you, with other friends down here at Lake Oconee, with my grandchildren. You know, what have you? I still love the game. You know, I've played the game for 50 years, 50 plus years, and and uh, you know, I miss it. I miss it, and you know, I've just taken that my competitiveness and thrown it into uh, my archery. I shoot competitive archery uh, now. I've been shooting archery for over 30 years, but I shoot traditional archery. I shoot longbows and recurves, and, and it's a hoop. It's it's so much fun. I shot in a big tournament last weekend down in Foley, Alabama. And, uh, it's it's a lot of fun. So I t- I've turned my passion from golf, trying to be the best, to trying to be the best in archery. It's a lot of fun. Tim, just a couple more before we let you go. And uh, you're also doing some instruction, right? Because I've seen some some great things written about you, about a, what a wonderful teacher of the game you are now. And, and mainly because you do what some of the things that you talked about earlier is you simplify the game where so many, you know, instruction now is technical and it's data-driven and it's track man and all of those things. But you've been able to simplify the game for so many. Talk about some of the instruction you do. Well, it's very kind of you. Um, I think I have a unique ability to to keep it simple. I think you know you can you can be the smartest golf teacher in the world, Chris. But if you can't communicate with your pupil, then you know you're useless. And I I, I believe that I have a, a strong belief now to with a better player. When I say a better player you know, 12 or so handicap or less, you know, more of a top player, you know, I believe that if you can feel it, you can change it. Because when we go on the golf course, what do we have? All we have is our feel. And, and you know, there's, there's too, much, uh, too much data out there. It's great for getting fit with off the right shaft and this and that. But for God's sakes, when I get on a track, man, even as simple as my swing is, it's like, that's TMI. That is way too much daggum information. You know, and, and I think that if if I can say, you know, a lot of times, you know, I've had students show up and, you know, I watch them and by the second swing, I've already got them pegged, you know, what's going on. And I'm like, there's nothing the matter with your swing. You got your gun pointed down first base. You're trying to shoot second base. You know, and and that's one of the biggest uh, biggest common faults I see in young males, uh, especially college age students, is they love to line up right and come over the top of the ball. Well, why? Because they're de-lofting. They're turning a a seven iron into a six iron. So you know they're flying at two hundred in the air with a seven iron. You know, but one time it goes to first base, the next time it goes to between first and second, and then occasionally they get lucky and hit it at second base. So, you know, it's, it's, I, I, I just keep it simple. I really do. Don't market myself at all. You know, I'm too old to stand out there 10 hours a day in the summertime heat here in Georgia. Tim, before we let you go, let our listeners know. You say you don't, you don't market yourself, you don't advertise yourself. For those that want to get in touch with you and would be interested in whether it's working with you, or just following you, how can they do that online or on social media? Uh, you can go to Tim uh, Tim Simpson Golf or Tim Simpson Corporate Golf, and um, you know you can. There's a little thing you can fill out if you're interested in me doing a public speaking engagement or individual lessons. 
and you can contact me through via email that way, and I will respond. I will get back to you as soon as possible, and and we'll go from there. I love to teach. It's fun, and and uh, you know I feel like I can I can teach from you know my my five year old granddaughter to Tiger Woods, you know, and all in between. It's 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 not rocket science, and it does take work, obviously, by by the the person you're working with. But but you know. I'm I'm the only person I know of in the in America that that will tell you if you don't think I helped you there's no charge. You know, I mean I got a money back guarantee. You know? So you don't hear that very often, do you? <laughs> no you do not. No. Tim, it's no, always it's such a pleasure to get to spend time with you. You are yeah, you are you. an absolute treasure, my friend. I appreciate oh, you so much and your time. I hope you'll come back and join me again real soon. I would be happy to anytime, and I appreciate you thinking of me. It's nice to know that I'm not totally forgotten. (laughs) You are not. All right, Tim, (laughs) take care. All the best to you and your family. I look forward to that opportunity to catch up again soon. Thanks so much, Chris. God bless. (laughs) You too. Take care, Tim. That's the great Tim Simpson, timsimpsongolf.com. Check him out online. I tell you, folks, when you go back and you look at Tim Simpson's record from the mid-80s into the early 90s, it is absolutely one of the best that you're going to see out there. It really is a shame. I think the Lyme disease robbed us of a guy that was going to do, you know, continue to win out on the PGA Tour. And goodness knows what he would have done out on the Champions Tour. That swing of his, and again, you can he's got it on his Facebook page. You can find it by uh, going out on YouTube as well is as pure and as wonderful a tempo a swing as you're going to ever see. That's why people talk about what a great ball striker he was. And you can see where he got it from. Talking to Byron Nelson, spending that time with Sam Snead and Gardner Dickinson, boy, he learned from the best, and he certainly turned that teaching into a great golf swing. And now I'm sure passing it along to his students. So please go online and check him out. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. In today's fast-paced world, your business deserves banking solutions that are as dynamic and cost-effective as you are. Solutions like free business checking from LGE Community Credit Union, free online and mobile banking, no minimum balance required, plus no maintenance fees and dividends on your balance. At LGE, we're a smarter way to bank. See what's possible for your business at lgeccu.org. No monthly maintenance fees. Other service fees such as NSF, overdraft, wire, and stop payment fees still apply. Not all businesses will qualify. Membership eligibility and base savings account that keeps $5 minimum balance required. Hey, sandwich lovers. Today is your lucky day. There's a whole new way to roll for lunch or dinner delight with Nucky's Hoagies in the Roswell Corners Shopping Center. Now open. Nucky's Hoagies in Roswell is family owned and operated by the subsisters, Stacy and Shannon, whose love language is food and Nucky's Hoagies, their passion. When you bite into a Nucky's Hoagie, you'll taste the difference. The softest hoagie rolls ever, along with hunger-quenching sandwich combinations. Make Nucky's Hoagies in Roswell on Woodstock Road your new favorite spot for lunch or dinner. 